Dear fellow redeemed, our scripture reading for today is taken from a continuation in the Christmas story of Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. May be seated. My daughter suffers from compoundophobia. Compoundophobia. One, it affects one in every 75,000 people. So roughly in the size of the greater Mankato area, she'd be the only one that would have compoundophobia. It is the fear of buttons. The fear of buttons. And for some people, it's because they believe there's dirt on the buttons. For some people, they think it's the texture on the button. And some are afraid of swallowing buttons. I don't know what her actual reason is, but compoundophobia. Some people have it so badly that it's hard for them to get within 10 feet of another person who has buttons on their shirt. About 13% of United States adults experience some type of phobia. And the top four most common are spiders, snakes, fear of public speaking, and heights. I can relate to heights. And some of our phobias, like my daughter laughs at herself about hers, are kind of humorous and funny, but others can be actually paralyzing for people. And the word phobia comes from the Greek word, uh, is a Greek word, and it's very prominent in the text that I just read to you this morning. Uh, it, it often is translated to be terrified. It literally means that it produces something in us that makes us want to flee and run away from something. And sometimes in the Greek, the authors will use words twice in a sentence, back to back, and that really doubles, doubles the meaning of it. We're told that the shepherds experience this fear. I'm going to read it to you in the Greek, just the phrase, so you can hear the fear in it. Ephobethazon, phoban, megan, like mega. They were terrified with extreme fear, is really the, the uh, a paralyzing fear, is the way it could be translated. Now, why is it that human beings, when we see this in Scripture, so often recoil uh, at, at the, the appearance of an angel. What is it? You'd think an angel would be something would be friendly and lovely and nice and wonderful and you'd think we'd want to be kind of in, a, in the presence of an angel. But what is it about the sudden appearance 
of these creatures from heaven that is so startling and so on. And we see this consistently in the Bible. When, when Mary is told by the angel and, and approached by the angel uh, that she would be the one to bear the Christ child, we're told she was greatly troubled. Zechariah was gripped with fear is the way it's explained in Luke. So it's not only that it's something that is so extremely out of the ordinary and unusual and something that's kind of unknown to us, that's not only the reason for it, but there's, there's something about the presence of an angel that exposes a vulnerability inside of human beings. There's an overwhelming sense of defenselessness that for some people becomes paralyzing. But it's even beyond that. When it comes to a heavenly creature approaching people, being, it, it's the fact that they're being confronted with a, a heavenly standard that is something they cannot measure up to. And it brings to the forefront of people's minds kind of a sense of fear about God because of our own failures and our sins and our weaknesses and our mortality. All of that comes wrapped into, into this. And, and it even happens to people, this sense of, of fear of something in authority that they can't answer to. It even happens to people in very small ways here in the, in the, in the world. Uh, police officers claim that quite frequently people will break out into tears when they stop them for a traffic stop. And it's not to try to get out of the ticket. There's a psychological thing in, in people that, that just has this fear of something in authority. And you can see it likewise when people are around a person whom they perceive to have a higher standard of morality than their own. It produces a, a sense of discomfort in yourself. So imagine, if this, is how, if this is how human beings respond to the presence of one of God's messengers that comes to earth, just think what it must be like to stand actually in front of God. Just think of the, the, the sense of fear that that could produce inside of us. At our Lord's transfiguration, we're told the disciples fell face down to the ground, terrified. Think of that. They fell face down to the ground, terrified. So if this is how sinful fallen man responds to just the, the sudden presence of angels, how will we ever expect to respond to a holy God? What, what does this all-powerful holy God of heaven think about you and me if we're just standing before him with nothing else. Well, notice the, the sudden shift in the story in Luke chapter 2. The message to the angels addresses the fear right away. Do not be afraid. Why? For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And here you are, all people. Here we are, part of that. So, the reason that they are invited to put fear aside when it comes to having to face God or even one of his messengers is found in the very focus of their message itself. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the reason they're told you don't have to be afraid. Suddenly, God has decided to become very approachable in this story. There's something about the presence of a little baby that evokes that in us. That there's something in us that just draws us to want to go look into that face or maybe touch that baby or hold that baby. There's something about that. 
It's as if the angels are, are saying to these shepherds and to us too, this God whom you are so afraid of wants to meet you. This God that you're so terrified about would like you to come and meet him. And he wants to approach you in such a lowly way. My grandfather used to love a story that, that um, kind of demonstrated this. Maybe some of you have heard it, use it before. It actually happened in the 1930s or 40s in a, a Russian prison up in Siberia, the cold part of Russia. And apparently it was a, a female prison, just for women only. And they would send to this prison the most unruly, uh, difficult prisoners and convicts. And apparently there was a, a new warden that came in and found that the problem was that these women were all fighting each other and harming each other. Well, one day his wife happened to walk through the compound on the, on the other side of some barbed wire fence and she was carrying their little infant baby as she went through. And all of these women rushed up to the fence, all of these inmates, to watch this and it suddenly changed their complete demeanor. And, and uh, the wife noticed this and suggested to her husband, the commander of this prison, how about if we set up a plan that, that you can have women come in and, and every day for about a half hour get to sit with me and help me take care of the baby. And it completely changed the demeanor of everyone in that compound. There's something about a little baby that, that just draws us in in a completely different way. And that's, that's how God decided to come and visit you and your world. You know, um, he could have just shown up as a 33-year-old carpenter's son and gone to die on the cross, but he had to live out the perfect life that you and I couldn't live so he could give that record to you and me. And he chose to come in this, into the world the same way that you and I have, to be approachable. And he's done this so that you and I can have a completely different perspective on how God now visits us and what it's going to be like for you personally someday to have to stand in front of God. Listen to what Paul says. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God could have decided to just intimidate you all over the place. He could have just driven us into the ground with absolute fear. But instead, he decides to come and win your hearts through his love and his tenderness and his mercy by showing up in this package of a little baby. I often wonder, did the shepherds that night get to actually go up and touch the baby, maybe play with his fingers? Did they get to possibly even get to hold the baby? Can you imagine that? Martin Luther said this. I love this. Anyone who touches the heat in the heated iron touches the iron. And whoever has touched the skin of Christ has actually touched God. So when God invites you today, even through my mouth, to come to the side of this little Christ child, a little infant, what, what better picture could he have used to show you and me that we do not need to be intimidated because he loves us so much and has such mercy and grace towards sinners like us? In the arrival of this little child, he is basically saying to you and me, do not be afraid of me. This is how I want you to know me. And boy, did it change how the shepherds left. We're told the shepherds made known abroad the saying that had been told them about the child. They returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. May that same wonderful joy of the uh, Christ child's arrival 
in this Christmas season for you and me, wake, wake up the same type of joy in us as well. Amen. Please rise. And please take out your hymn book and turn to page 148, page 148 in the front portion. And we will use today a Christmas prayer, but it is prayer number 11, or collect number 11. Please join me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you that of your mercy and compassion, you caused your Son to become incarnate and through him redeemed us from sin and everlasting death. We beseech you, enlighten our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we may ever be thankful for such grace, and comfort ourselves thereby in all tribulation and temptation, and at last obtain eternal salvation. Through the same, your beloved Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in his peace. Amen.